Hello everyone, welcome to Helix Cloud Games. My name is Richie and joining me this week is the host of Talking the PS at CyberChris2077, Mr. Chris. Hello everyone. No Rob this week unfortunately because he is busy Black Friday working, can't get off. Um, he'll be missing Talking the PS tomorrow as well. And actually, before we get into it, this is the second time we've recorded this episode. I'm glad you're willing to admit yeah. that front and centre. Let's. Should we talk people through our, yes. our weekend of recordings, Richie? So, yes, so we've had a busy so, weekend. Tra traditionally, we get together, you, me, and Rob, and we record the shows back to back, and then we split them up, edit them, publish them, schedule them, all that, all that jazz. Do the thumbnails, as many of our viewers and listeners know. So this week, like no other, we were a little bit busy. We've, it's Black Friday. Rob's got some business to attend to, so he's not actually on any of the shows. I actually think on talking to PS, I did say he would be on the show because he was originally planned. Yeah, but then life got in the way. Uh, so you and me got together. I was busy this afternoon, Sunday time of recording busy this afternoon thought we'll get up early we'll actually get up like responsible yes. adults and we'll do the show a little bit earlier so it's done in the bag out the way ready so we for can you fit, lovely to make sure that we can fit in because you especially had a busy afternoon it's like okay we need to try and get the show in before indeed in indeed you, yeah. we recorded the whole show one hour ten minutes as per standard lovely went about our business i went off about my day and richie texted me about two and a half hours later i would say and what, what happened richie it, it might it not have probably, even been that but honestly i think it's probably less than an hour like so for some i don't know how but my audio so for those who knew we record our audio separate ind individually but we also have like the discord call recording so technically we have two instances. at least two instances of each of our audio to work to work with one mixed as the whole conversation one like individual so my individual audio was corrupted. I don't know how it happened. The file's just completely broken. Um, everything was fine. It went until I hit export and program crashed. Not retrievable, but it's like, okay, I should have a backup. And then the, my backup was also broken. It was just, I don't know why, because I've used it loads of times. It just, every other second for my audio just cut out across so the entire hour recording. So you should it shit the bed your computer shit the bed on this one yes in, in some way shape or form so we're back for episode 5.5 i guess take two yep. of this week's so. show we're that dedicated and as you said before we went live for this show that in the history of this channel we've not missed the publication of our content on the the scheduled yeah. on the time that it's supposed yeah. to on our podcast so here we are attempt number two of breaking down all the Xbox news for our lovely viewers and listeners out there. And it's a little bit later in the day. We woke up a little bit more. So if some of the stories sound like we've talked about them before, or we, we don't seem as enthusiastic, <laughs> it's because literally an hour or so of our day has been lost to corrupt file yeah. work. But we're here, Richie. We're back. We got it together. We're, we're... Let's let's bring the Xbox news. Yeah, and we've got a great show lined up for you this week where we talk about Walking the Dead getting pulled from Game Pass less than a month after it was added to it, grounded winning game of the year, and the Xbox 360 controller making a comeback. All that and much, much more on this week's second attempt at the Xbox X-Pass podcast. <laughs> second attempt at the introduction. <laughs> we'll get into it make sure if you haven't already like the channel subscribe to the channel like the video rather and um podcast feeds, like notifications well. on you know what to do all the great content here at helix cloud games such as talking the ps where we break down all the weekly news in the sony side of gaming in the over on the blue side we every single tuesday once. that we usually only need to do once <laughs> i'm not going to that down only this is not my, even my fault that's the worst thing it's like yeah Every single Tuesday on YouTube and podcast services, every single Friday we break down, we do deep dive into one particular topic in the cloud gaming universe in CloudQuest, also available on YouTube and podcast services. Live streams where we'll be back this week with um, Battlefront 2042. I you almost said Battlefield. Battlefield's the one you should be saying. Battlefield, Battlefield. <laughs> yeah, we'll You're be... not the only one who's got that mixed up in the past, though. Yeah. 
we'll be back with Battlefield this week. Um, and make sure if you haven't already, follow us on our socials. All the links you need are in the description. Um, let's go briefly, Chris. Have you been playing anything interesting other than God of War? Uh, so aside from God of War, I've got Age of Empires on my PC. I've checked out a little bit. I think I mentioned it on last week's show, a bit of Dune Spice Wars. Of course, went straight into PC Game Pass as well. And a bit of tidying up on Disney Dreamlight Valley with the wife, which we'll talk about, no doubt, with a new segment later on today. So I've I've done a bit of dabbling in Xbox, but my intention is once God of War Ragnarok is out the way, we're going to stream Battlefield this week, and then I've got my eyes on a few things that I might want to play. So we'll see if Cyber Monday, the, the day the show goes live, actually, tomorrow or today, yesterday, uh, see if there's any sales around. I might uh, pick up something. What about you? What have you been playing on the Xbox front? On the Xbox front, I've been playing a little bit of Football Manager on my phone, um, usually on my lunch breaks, but I only get half an hour. I also need to eat, and occasionally I you do need to. talk to my colleagues. Um, so sometimes I'll, I'll start, I'll start playing, and then I'll get involved in conversation, gets nothing done. Other than that, I've been largely just playing Pokemon. It's been a very nice accompaniment to the World Cup. Got to catch them all. Yeah. And, and as I've said... Um, earlier today when we first recording did like, you? yeah yeah I did um, with God of War I found my momentum slipped a bit because of the World Cup because the World Cup's pulled my attention away so I've got less time and God of War is an, um, a game that really commands your attention hmm. where Pokemon is one that you can literally just play for five minutes put it down come back and just I find it a lot more casual in that regard so Pokemon has just come about the right time for me Good stuff, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Even but if Chris. it is a buggy mess. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yes, not, just, yes, that's not just the canopies. It is. It is absolutely is a buggy mess, but I'm still loving that game. Did you see the state of the... Pokemon. Yeah, the, the state of the, thousand, the thousandth Pokemon. They revealed who that was. No. And it was no, like I some haven't. kind of like crappy tree creature for the big one zero zero zero. Uh, yeah, go honest, give it a look. Give it a chuckle to yourself. I'm not in love with the designs of Pokemon in this generation. All appear a bit too cutesy. Cutesy. There's always been a, usually a balance in terms of the designs, but they all kind of have this like kind of like teddy bear aesthetic almost. Hmm. Well, anyway, Chris, would you like to introduce us to the? I've already done that. No, you haven't. Well, yes, have. you have earlier. But yes, not in this recording. Uh, let me introduce you to the excellently exuberant, excavated Xbox expose, a.k.a. The News. The News. As always, our news is brought to you by our Helix Heroes, where you can become a member for as little as 99p and get early access to various of our shows, custom emojis, etc., just like Edward Jeffrey has and Doc Holiday. Thank you very much, guys. You are awesome. First news item today... 2023, it looks like it's going to be the biggest year in Game Pass history. Woo! Let's go. Why is that? Well, as we fast approach the end of the, the end of the year, it's, it's already time to look ahead to what Xbox has in store for us in 2023. This is reading from a pure Xbox article. It's no secret that 2022 hasn't quite delivered as many AAA experiences as we would have liked. Many of them delayed. COVID delays. I think we're mm. coming to the end of the COVID-related delays, to be honest. Hopefully. Hopefully things will be delayed less frequently and the industry is adapted. But we've got a huge list of games like looking like it's going to come. And to be honest, Game Pass is growing year on year. Yeah, well, that's the kind of the, the thing with Game Pass. Is it's it's a bit frustrating in, in the regard that some titles will inevitably leave at some point. However, yes. by nature of all of the first-party content hanging around, the more output Xbox Studios have... Game Pass year on year just gets bigger and better with AAA quality games. So anyone sign up to Xbox Xbox Game Pass this year, you caught yourself <laughs> just, just a little bit, just on the hook. Um, we'll have access to like Halo Infinite and Grounded now and uh, Forza and all those other amazing titles that they didn't have this time last year, and like that will just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And this by now. This year would have had Starfield and Redfall. They've been pushed back to next year, which is, is a shame. But again, just if the game's not ready, don't we'd rather you didn't put it out. 
But then, yeah, it's essentially the great thing with Game Pass is that it will just evolve and get bigger and bigger. And some great games will come and go by nature of the subscription model. But the actual core foundation of the the this this whole approach, this catalogue of games, is only going to get bigger. Like all of Halo's on there, all of Gears are on there, some low like fantastic indie titles are on there, and it's only going to get bigger. So it's no surprise that next year will end up being the biggest yet. But I think in terms of just sheer output, I think because all these studio acquisitions are now starting to see some fruits of the labors fall off the tree, and also all the little indie deals that are going, it's it's looking to be a great year. And as someone like myself and you and, and many many of our audience members, they're just this is just like peeling back the first layer of of Game Pass. Like I've not even had time, Richie, to get round to all the stuff in the, my, our new Game Pass back catalogue. Because they keep going, oh, well, guess what? In a month's time, you're going to get Age of Empires again, which is like a 20-plus-year-old game. But I look at that and go, ah, fuck, I really want to play Age of Empires again, as well as the new stuff. So we're just spoiled as gamers, aren't we? And and Game Pass especially spoils us just tenfold. It's great. Yeah, and as we mentioned, delays in 2022. It's made... The delays have weakened 2022 in terms of gaming overall. I think outside of Elden Ring and God of War... There's nothing really pushing at the absolute pinnacle of of AAA gaming. You got maybe things like Horizon, which are probably is is in that one tier below, like Elden Ring, God of War. But there's not been much from Xbox. But every game that you mentioned, um, things like Starfield, every one of these games that gets delayed this year into next year, mm. does actually just strengthen 2023. It, it yeah again that's it they've not like scrapped any of these things they've just been delayed and delays as much as they suck people very quickly forget about the delay once launch comes around i'm i'm at a point especially with game pass where i really don't care how long a game's delayed because there's so much on game pass mm. to play just immediately at my fingertips yeah especially if you're playing through the cloud that is like yeah if a game doesn't come like this month and it gets delayed to march it's like well, I'll mm-hmm. just play that in March. I've got other games to play. I've got lots of other games that I am neglecting yeah. in the interim. I only have so many hours in my day to play games. Not I, enough, the, some would say. Literally, at the moment, I am balance, trying to balance you know, things like other interests like the World Cup and playing God of War and Pokemon. And you go to the gym a lot now as well. Yeah, yeah, I've been exer- I've been exercising a lot over the last like four months to try and get myself like How, you know, how is it sacrificing precious gaming time to stay fit and healthy? Is it difficult? It, it is. I think it's worthwhile. Um, oh, you're, I mean, you're doing great. When I, so. when I sit down to play like a God of War and go, you know what? It's Friday evening. My gym sessions are all done for the week. I can, mm. I can, it's like maybe 8 o'clock. I can just play this till the early hours of the morning. I'm single as well, so I don't even get in trouble for that shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it's just like... I really appreciate that time more than when if you just I just have hundreds of hours in a week to yeah. play. I have actually I haven't mentioned this to you or Rob. I've changed when I'm training as well, so I'm now training. Well, most of my training was focused on the like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm. Then I play footy with you on the Monday, and then I was going for like a one like midweek run. I've changed. I've moved everything to Monday to Friday to free up oh, my weekends more because. Okay. Partially because for recording times and stuff, it gives me because I was like constantly trying to felt like I was just scheduling, trying to schedule all the time, like mm. my weekends, like oh, when's this going to happen? When I can do that? And it's like there was felt like it it's gets, too too yeah. many moving parts. It the becomes weekend. a task unto itself, doesn't it? Just to, yeah. to get shit done. Yeah, that's that is one of them. But no, again, you're doing well. It's, it it's frees up. up them bigger play times when mm. I can sit down and play. I've got a God of War because like. A game like that, I don't. I some people can just play for half an hour, an hour, then get on with the life. I that's the sort of game where I need to. Go, I probably need to look at. Mm. Like, I need at least two, three hours. Yeah, stretch. I know what you mean. There are there are. Because I just want to get lost in that world. Yeah, I've I've not listened to any of my usual podcasts this this week because I've just wanted to sit down and give my undevoted attention to God of War. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I can't wait. But it won't be coming to Game Pass, God of War. However, no. something with like Starfield or, or Redfall. Redfall's one I'm quite intrigued by for next year because, like, I like vampires as much as the next person. And it, Redfall's I like, one I always forget about. Actually, yeah, it, it is kind of one. I think it's going to be a sleeper game that comes out because it is one of the the triple A big ones. It's from Bethesda and Arkane. Yeah, who put out Ghostwire Tokyo 
um, as well. So they're that's another they're, they're one used to making. Hmm? That's another one on the list. That's on Game Pass. Oh, it's coming to Game Pass. Yeah, so. yeah. It, it's got a year exclusivity with PlayStation before it jumps across. But uh, Redfall, uh, you can do it solo or co-op, four players fighting legions of vampires. What doesn't sound fun from that in a AAA game? And uh, we get it free with Game Pass. So and there's definitely, if I mean, it's got co-op, there's going to be a stream involved. Oh, un- undoubtedly, undoubtedly. <laughs> That's something you can pretty much be assured here that if some, if a game's got co-op or multiplayer of some kind, we and it's come to Game Pass, we will stream it. And we don't need to like go back and forth about like, oh, are you going to buy it? Are you going to buy it? Oh, do I really want to pay £70 for a game that I might only like a little bit, but not want to dedicate yeah. to? And Game Pass just alleviates that. Our audience can jump in with us without dropping £70 on the game. We can play it together without having dropping it. And then that goes back to Game Pass. The catalogue gets bigger and better year on year. But I guess so does the opportunity So yeah. for us going, and our audience. Going back to like the key focus of this topic with 2023 looking to be the biggest year in Game Pass... I'm actually not even surprised by this because hmm. I was like, I, what I was surprised at was Game Pass came out in 2017. It doesn't feel like it's been five years. It feels no, very new and very it, much in its yeah. infancy. Still. But then, if you take the two COVID years out of it, that everyone which forgets, like would like to forget happened, like yeah, that's not like if you think about it, like we've had all of 2022 and this year's flew over for me, and then you take the two COVID years out of it during lockdown and stuff. And then, yeah, we were talking about Game Pass before COVID and lockdown, like comparing it to Stadia Pro subscriptions and stuff on the channel. So it's like, actually, yeah. that's nearly four years of our life, and Game Pass came out a year before we started the channel. So it seems it seems like such a short time away, but when you look back, it's like, oh, shit, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. We were all in and, our 20s, Richie. <laughs> and we have to remember as well, in 2017, this was still at a point where everyone was looking at Xbox and its performance of the previous generation, mm-hmm. the Xbox One generation, and kind of co- in comparison to Sony, and kind of, we know these generations are coming to an end, how have they performed? Microsoft mm-hmm. had a, a pretty rocky start. And it's like, well, the main thing, it's they've come back from that rocky start, but the main thing they're lacking is that first-party lineup. And you know what the telling thing about that is? You they said Game Pass everyone. launch in 2017? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? And that's yeah. how shocked we are. The original God of War reboot came out in 2018. Yeah. And now we've got Ragnarok. So there's those two genre-defining AAA Game of the Year titles for me, we've had two of them in the time it took them to get Game Pass to this point. And that's, I guess, is the the clear direction which place, um, which Microsoft have needed to really ramp up. Yeah. Two um, games have came out in the time it took them to get to here, and we're still waiting on these games to catch up and i think the xbox fan base for since the end of last gen has been gone we're still waiting we're still yeah. waiting and i think they were hoping on infinite and that's been getting its own criticism i think they're just waiting for all of these studios bubbling away in the background they're like right when can we start firing on all cylinders and legitimately say xbox is having a banger year after year after year it feels like the dam is like swelling with games ready to go and I think from yeah. next year onwards, we should truly start to see that because a lot of stuff's been in development for a long time now. I still, I think in like the mid to late 2010s, it still felt like Microsoft were trading almost exclusively on get, on um, franchises that kind of made it big, big during the Xbox 360 era. Your mm-hmm. Halos, your Gears, your Forzas. And it's like, well, they didn't, hadn't felt like they ha- they'd added to that catalogue where Sony's like, Sony would, be, I mean, God of War is a long-standing franchise, but mm-hmm. they basically reinvented it. They brought, I think, new IP like Horizon. They basically reinvented like how a Spider-Man game should feel and it all in this time. And this is all during the PS4 era. Mm-hmm. And then they've got things like Ghost of Tsushima and thing, things of that nature. So Sony were just putting out, there was a good string from about probably 2016 to 2019 where Sony just seemed to bring out banger game after banger game, multiple like top tier first party titles, and Microsoft has gone yeah. like, oh. There's about, I'd say, two but, solid ones a year for that, but which, yeah. It's not a surprise why Microsoft started buying everyone under the sun, but the mm-hmm. now we've got now a couple of years away from since Microsoft started buying everyone. These developers that Microsoft bought are now starting to put out the games. Well, that's it. It's like the well-revered. If we look back at the last twelve months, you had like Deathloop was made by a now Microsoft studio, but it was exclusive to PlayStation. So they yeah. filled that gap between their own games with great hits like that. And then we had Ghostwire Tokyo, 
also made by Bethesda Studios. So it's like, it is just the big irony of it is that some of the best games in the last 12 months to come at the PlayStation were made by Microsoft Studios. And that's where they've turned the screw. But in the next half a decade going forward, we should start to see the fruits of the, of that change. And I think next year with Starfield being obviously the big, big AAA hitter and then Redfall and whatever supplementary games we were yet to know about. Let's face it, both... Both companies, PlayStation and, and Xbox, have been very, very quiet on what's around the corner yeah, for a lot of big things. I mean, we suspected with PlayStation because they wanted to get God of War out of the way first before they go, right, guys, this is what you have to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And for good reason. But I think with Microsoft as well, it's not just first party, it's strategic partnerships. Yeah. We've got the Persona games coming to Game Pass. And I think... Although I have no real interest in playing Persona 5 anytime soon again, because I've already played it through twice and put, probably put close to 300 hours in my life. You like doing things twice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Today I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a JRPG fan, seeing Microsoft, you know, aggressively push to get more JRPGs onto the platform where they've mm. been sorely lacking, it rounds out that library a bit more. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. So we all both agree that it's not a surprise and it's good to see. Correct. So moving on to the inevitable part of the conversation where we talk about the Activision Blizzard King <laughs> takeover because there's always you... seems to be new news on this every single week. Yeah, there's always little wrinkles that come out of it. Every time there's like a a lawyer's document or a case file or a retract, redacted thing pops up. There's there's little nuggets of information in there which go like, oh, this is how these companies kind of discuss each other and they the lay of the land behind the scenes. And it's always nice to see behind the curtain. But at the same time, this these these story articles about this purchase and acquisition are not going to go away anytime soon. Yeah. Um, so this first bit I want to talk to about is... Microsoft wants Sony to be more like Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Well, that's quite spinning the, the story quite a bit there, but basically, Microsoft are pointing to Nintendo's success over the decades without Call of Duty as a reason why, if Call of Duty was to go exclusive, Sony should be absolutely fine. What are your thoughts, yeah. Chris? It's, I can see where they're coming from because saying that, yeah, Sony are fine without Call of Duty, just like Nintendo have been fine without Call of Duty for, for years, and they will continue to be for years. It's a, it, it's a, a, I can see why they made the comparison, but at the same time, Nintendo has not relied on Call of Duty at all ever. since the since the yeah well yeah ever it's never relied on them it's not really had any distinguishable call of duty since in my in, off the top of my head i think the wii u probably had some variant of call of duty but it's never been attachment. like yeah it's never been like a, a million unit seller on on the on the wii u or no. the nintendo wii yet for sony especially with the marketing deal through the ps4 generation Call of Duty was like their go-to shooter, like so much so, like they don't even bother with Resistance or Killzone anymore. They haven't done for like ten years, nearly. So the the premium shooter on Call of Duty is, uh, sorry, on PlayStation is Call of Duty. They even threw Battlefield under the bus this past week, saying that Battlefield does not stack up to Call of Duty in terms of a premium AAA shooter. And if they're willing to do that, they they I think everyone just knows that Call of Duty makes so much money. Yeah, we should caveat that by this is purely from a business perspective, so it's all about the numbers, how much money it's it's making, not in terms of the quality of game, necessarily. Yeah, yeah. purely on a financial gain standpoint, like that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and when it comes to, for me, when it comes to like Nintendo, I think Microsoft are pitching this to regulators and maybe people who are not passionate about the gaming industry, maybe not as invested emotionally or financially in the industry as like mm-hmm. the average gamer is so when they say like oh look at nintendo this is this hugely successful company in gaming no one can deny that as a statement true college is barely a footnote to them it's like yes they may have had a few here and there but like i can how many people can actually name what call of duties have come to a nintendo platform so like so they've been fine so sony will be but as you mentioned i think Nintendo have made a brand that kind of doesn't need Call of Duty or yeah. anything like that. It's like, no, people buy Switches because 
how many people hands up in the comments how many people buy switches for pokemon alone yeah or maybe a zelda game here mario game there but to be honest, I don't think I'd buy a Switch if it wasn't for Pokemon. As much as I do like other Nintendo franchises, I think I'd probably go. I can pass. I can skip these other titles. Yeah, the Switch is always, it has always, and probably will always be my supplementary console, and that is because I've just kind of I've always grew up with the other ones. And but as a big Pokemon fan, yeah, I tend to buy it. I have a couple of little other games, but I I bought them on the Switch more for the portability factor than like the actual game itself like i have multiple i've bought multiple games twice just to have that portability factor but then yeah you're totally right there's many people i'm sure out there who purely have it for either mario or zelda or pokemon and likewise that can be said i'm sure there's people out there who have xbox for just halo and gears and playstations for uncharted and the last of us and god of war and spider-man and but I think them titles <laughs> are to a low extent where you look at something like Call of Duty, you look at, I put it in the category alongside say, the likes of FIFA and Madden where people will buy a console every generation mm-hmm. just to play that, ge- that game from that franchise and they're not that interested in much much else outside of it. Like we mm-hmm. literally know people who buy, who own consoles just for FIFA and that's it. Yeah. They might pick up the other game here and there but if it wasn't for FIFA, they probably wouldn't even bother. Yeah. And Call of Duty is one of them where, okay, Nintendo aren't dependent on this, but Sony are. How many people, how many PlayStations are out there in the wild that people have bought because they because they want to play Call of Duty with, with their friends and the friends have um, PlayStations, therefore they've got a PlayStation. Yeah, again, I think that's the big takeaway is I, from... From that standpoint, even though on, on paper it's all money, and I'm sure Microsoft make plenty of money off Call of Duty as well, and side by side, there might not even be that much distinguishing difference, but having one of them solely in one camp, if you that, that's essentially saying you take all the money that Sony make from it, and it just gets switched over to all of it, 100% Xbox, and especially, I think, the time frame which they're talking about, if it's the launch of a new generation, when people do make that harsh decision of, do I stick with the console platform i'm currently happy with or do i pivot and go all in on next gen with the different side of the coin because it's weird that this is kind of the only industry where every like generation you totally are in or out on a different platform like you don't do it with phones you don't like when you do your upgrade you don't go right i'm totally in or out i know some people change but it's very rarely you ditch one ecosystem completely for a different one from a different company but then i think video games because there is that cross-pollination of titles it makes it a little bit easier to switch allegiances. And then... Especially now we're getting more things like cross-play and cross-progression. Yeah, it's not as harsh as it used to be, but then when it comes to exclusives, that is a big seller. The reason PlayStation commits so much to their own studios, and now Microsoft seemingly are committing so much to their own studios, is because if you have those games that can only be played in one place, it pulls people over. It gauges... It, it brings in interest for an IP that you cannot get anywhere else in the world. And having Call of Duty, the biggest franchise of all time, subjectively, and one of the biggest money makers of all time, in your camp, purely in your camp, is is a it win. Means anyone who who plays Call of Duty as their this is the main game. It's more of when Call of Duty is the hobby rather than gaming being the hobby. Yeah. Um, he... Every single one of them people who might have bought a PlayStation will now buy an Xbox. Mm-hmm. And even on like a ten year deal. That doesn't stop them from doing extra things with like incentives with Microsoft bundled in yeah. sales, extra skins, season passes are half price. Like if you're a Game Pass subscriber, you get perks to this early access to Call of Duty. There's so many things that even if it's still on PlayStation, they can make the deal on Xbox sweeter because they own it. So they could play a ball with all the legalities all day long for ten years, but it's in their best interest as a business to get this finally exclusive. So whether it takes a decade or not, it will hamper Sony, just like any exclusive purchase. Like the Bethesda sale is kind of overlooked on that front. Like Starfield, Xbox exclusive. Starfield could be one of the biggest games of the year next year. And Microsoft have that solely because they bought Bethesda. There's a, it's the, it comes down to a difference in scale on these things though, where Mm. the Bethesda deal is, was industry shaking the Call of Duty, Sony are pushing so hard against this 
because they'll look at it and go, without Call of Duty, that will significantly impact our mm-hmm. share price. Where, to be fair, for Bethesda, you get an Elder Scrolls game, a Fallout game, maybe once a generation. And beyond mm-hmm. that, there's some other interesting stuff, but they're not hitting the same sort of numbers of Fallout and, um, as, and then and, and Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. Without Call of Duty, Sony's share price could tank. And sometimes that could be an irreversible trend. So while Sony are the biggest players in gaming at the moment, yeah, this could absolutely cripple them. Yeah, that's what they're worried about. Yeah, and if you are Sony, if this goes through, what's to say they don't do it to somebody else? Like that's, I'm sure when the Bethesda deal thought through, they probably thought, oh shit, they've gone and acquired all these studios. But you know what? There's still enough players out there in the market that we should be safe. Now they've took, or seemingly are going to take Activision as well. All of a sudden, all of the Call of Duty is off the table. All the, all the other stuff they do, Diablo, is off the table. Crash, Spyro, and all the little interstitial stuff in between, Tony Hawk's, off the table. And then they think, all right, that's an even bigger one. What's to say if this sets a trend and Microsoft come back in another five years and go, you know what, we've bought Square Enix as well. Then Sony lose or all EA. Final Fantasy. Or, or EA, Ubisoft. Or Ubisoft. And then you can almost see where, if they don't put their defences up now and stop this one from going through... What's to say more don't go into the future? And then, again, well, for future-proofing your business for the next 10 years, it's no surprise they're fighting tooth and nail. Like, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's no surprise as a business, whether you are the market leader or not, if they know the business is coming in and taking away a big stream of revenue for you and you think there's a legit reason that that should be against, I don't know, consumer marketing or monopoly um, shares, that kind of thing... I can see why they're doing it. I can see both, why both parties have vested interest in this acquisition. And as it stands, with all the news that we hear, Richie, I could see this not going through, you know, with all yeah. the stuff we're here. Like, it, it seems to be getting really serious where we're hearing things like Xbox aren't going to show anything off at Game Awards this year because it risks exposing them to their exclusivity deals and how it trends and money, you get shares go up and down based on this. We saw the X, the PlayStation showcase was apparently canned earlier this month because of that very thing, that they're being investigated, so they're trying to lay low and keep quiet and not shake the boat too much while they're being reviewed. Yeah, I mean, the, at the last that we've heard of, Microsoft has said that it offered Sony a 10-year deal for Call of Duty, up, up, to a pre, up from a previous offer of three years, so this is a non-exclusivity deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd not sure whether this would involve it being allowed to go to Game Pass or not, or it would just be a case of you can have Call of Duty for the next decade. At the moment, Sony have dec- at the time of recording, Sony have declined, declined to comment. I think it's, they'll probably take some time to think over that because you've got to think in, in a mm. 10-year deal, the PS6 will be out, so it won't hamper the launch, which is what we'll talk a bit more about that on um, talking to PS tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm not going to go too depth in there. But... I think the Microsoft are looking for a way and they just need to kind of get Sony to a point where Sony have to stand the ground on this. It's just one of them situations because if they don't, it could really hamper hamper their like future in gaming. Mm-hmm. And they need to find, it's just finding that compromise. I still think it will go through, but yeah. it'd be costly for Microsoft if it doesn't. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's it's costly already, but there's definitely, there's plenty of like, versions of this you could look at in different parts of the world and i think realistically if like if you look at a sports time a sports team sorry and someone was coming in to try and take your big your bet your star player this is one of playstation star players it makes them so much money and there's another team coming in you're going to try and defend they go no no you're under contract you can't leave you're one of our best players if you looked at other tech businesses if like apple suddenly tried to buy the chip manufacturer who makes samsung's chips there would be problems there. Like literally any part, any business, if your competitor is trying to take an important revenue stream away from your business, you are going to defend that fiercely. And that's what Sony yeah. seemed to be doing with Jim Ryan or lawyers or trading deals or whatever. But it's not going away. But it is starting to reach a point where it's, I don't think it's going as smoothly as Microsoft would have wanted. And now there's all these different governing bodies interjecting and the, the sheer scale of the money, like the, the $68 billion, it's such a high amount. I don't know. I don't know. Just, the longer it seems to go on, at first I was like, oh shit, that's a lot of money. There's so much money, of course it's going to go through. But then you actually forget that Sony have some damn good lawyers as well. 
The and... reason I think it's going to go through is because we're getting a lot of information. It's, it's every week we're giving an update on the story, so it hasn't gone cold, which mm. suggests that there's a lot of backwards and forwards going, so things, discussions haven't stalled. It's when discussions stall yeah. that I start, I'd start getting worried. Mm. But even then, we've seen like the the stance on it from Xbox side of view, seemingly lighting it was like a three year deal. Now it's a ten year deal, and now Phil Spencer's going out there on podcast saying that as long as there's a PlayStation to ship to, we'll see Call of Duty on there. And it it, it is kind of interesting how it's gone back and forth. But that's I guess that's what happens when you live in a world where there's so much money there's on lot, the table. There's a lot of maneuvering from both from mm. both sides, while the international regulators from various countries are looking and trying to debate what what's going on and like, well, do, is this fine? Is it not? And well, yeah, when your business is on a global scale, you can't just appeal to U.S. lawyers and markets and court. You've got to appeal to everywhere you trade in, and one deal that might work somewhere in the world. Call of Duty is just as big in Europe as it is the United States and the yeah. rest of the world. Like you've got to like tick all them boxes before it goes through. Yeah, this is the thing. This is what makes it one of the things that makes it complicated. Is gaming is a truly global industry, so different companies, countries across the world will, will have it. So it's like if the EU turns around, and go nah, you're not having it. Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't go through. Same if the US do. If the US go no, nah, you can't have it, and then you're like fine, it still doesn't go through. Microsoft need to find a way that Sony say uh, okay with that the regulators have heard enough and go you know what everything seems above board everything we're happy with this mm-hmm. for various countries so I don't think this is resolved anytime soon but is it, hopefully is it, there's a deadline for March I believe isn't there for the CMA review have said I think they're going to wrap up this review in March so we'll probably see a definitive end to it I'd imagine a lot of these companies have priorities on the end of the tax year if it's yeah. been approved or not. So whether it's good news or bad news for whoever, it's probably going to be decided before April 1st, 2023. But even if that, even if it does fall through, there's no reason why Microsoft can't re, re look into the deal again mm. and try and find a different route. There's, dates can always be moved. Like Very true. It'd be expensive, but you know what wouldn't be expensive? The company that revived the Xbox Duke controller is now bringing back the Xbox 360 controller. So, do you have any love for the Xbox 360 controller? I never owned one. So, again, this is my the Series S is my first Xbox, and I had a I got myself a Streamlabs controller last year for when we were testing out kind of Google Stadia and stuff. I got my own little custom one, which I think is great. Which I've played on PC with a few times, uh, but no, I was I was strictly PlayStation growing up, and well, Sega before that. But uh, yeah, obviously I've played them around friends' houses and stuff, and um, I've got hands on with them at your local game station or electronics boutique or whatever shops it was back in the day. But I can't say I've ever sat down and, like completed a game with one, so I've got no necessary love for the 360 controller. Um, I said on our other recording that I'm a big fan of like design symmetry aesthetically. So I like the PlayStation controls. I love the Stadia controller for that exact same reason that my hands are quite symmetrical. So holding a, a controller that looks symmetrical, it just it, it appealed to me quite nicely. And I used to look at the 360 one and went, that's weird. But now, like I think you, you said on the, on the other show that when you hold a controller, whether it's offset six or not, it doesn't really, you, you don't really think about it. You just pick it up in your game. Which is the good, which yeah. is a great sign of a good design, and I think, yeah, the three sixty controller back in the day, I used to look and I'm like, why the hell's it got batteries? Like, what the frick's going on with this? Like, batteries still, still, you know and what? then the Xbox One did the same, and then to this day, my Series S controller has batteries, and I'm like, there's, ah. there's an argument for batteries in a controller because you can always replace your batteries, and realistically, get rechargeable batteries, just use rechargeable batteries, and then you can just. Re- when they eventually die, you can replace them and less stuff goes to landfill. Yeah. Oh, I get it, And yeah. you actually save yourself money as well, so there's no reason to buy disposable ones. I don't even know why disposable ones are sold, to be honest. Mm. Like, just self-rechargeable only. Christmas lights. Still just rechargeable only. Like, there's no... You take, you, again, you just save yourself money in the long run. But that, that aside, the argument for batteries is the, the in a, say, a DualShock 4, the internal battery will die over time. Mm-hmm. And then once the battery's dead, the controller's effectively dead. Where you can if play you it have, plugged in. 
you can, but... <laughs> no you, one's going to do that. Yeah, where if you're using actual batteries, yeah, you can always just replace the batteries, and it does Absolutely. prolong the lifespan of the controller, and it mm-hmm. stops stuff going into landfills as, as often. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing we've had with like mobile phones. Like you used to be able to just take the back off and pop the battery out and swap it out, and now they're all just like solid water-resistant units that eventually will overheat and batteries will swell and they'll internally combust. <laughs> yeah, that that being said, my experience with my DualShock says the batteries are good enough that even my oldest DualShock controller, which I've used God knows how for about seven, eight years or something, hmm. it still bat the battery and that will still last a good few hours. So it's like, yeah, the, I have felt the battery decay over time, but it's still good enough. So I actually prefer an internal battery in some ways to the point where I actually have internal batteries added to my Xbox controllers. Yeah. So, But that's more so I can have a charging dock because yeah. I'm a big advocate of charging docks so I can just, you know what, put my when I'm done gaming, I put my, my controller down on its dock. That's where it lives. And next time I go to play, it's fully charged again. And this I don't have to think to about it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so in terms of the 360 controller then, mm-hmm. what's your love story with them? Um, I wouldn't say it's a love story. It was more of an appreciation story okay. because back at the time of the Xbox 360, I had an N64, I had a PS2, and then I didn't get another games console till my PS4. And even then, that was a couple of years into the lifespan of it. Hmm. So there was a big gap where I'm largely just playing like just PC games almost exclusively, apart from I had a 3DS, for mainly, po- mainly for Pokemon, Tim, <laughs> like I was yeah, on the yeah. Switch. Um, but so the Xbox, but there are some games, even when I was hardcore mouse and keyboard, it's the best way to go for gaming. Yeah. I always concede that some games are better on con- controller. I FIFA was one. I, I used to have, buy P- yeah, FIFA yeah. on PC. I need a controller for that. And in this era, you could get third-party controllers that are almost exclusively shit. Yep. The Xbox Free controller, you could buy an Xbox 360 controller for Windows PC. It came with a, do- a dongle to make it wireless, a USB dongle. And it just worked natively with Windows, where third-party ones were usually crappy quality. You could get, I could maybe buy a DualShock Free or something, but mm. then it doesn't work natively, so you have to get third-party software, and it's always a bit more janky. Where the 360 controller just worked. Yeah, so, so it's making a comeback as well. Yeah, so and it, I think we mentioned like Microsoft trading on earlier in the show. Microsoft mm-hmm. trade not previously trading on IP from that generation. I think it's like kind of symbolic. This controller as like this is kind of when Microsoft stepped into the mainstream of console gaming with the 360 more so than the original Xbox. Yeah. It's, it's where when, it's where like the Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out. It's where it really went big, the Xbox. Yeah. And that. I think it just had solid econ- solid ergonomics, to be honest. At a yeah, time think... when ergonomics weren't that thought of. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. It was the kind of like the ridiculous controls we'd had in the past with like the N64. Uh, like, let's face it, the Duke was a bit ridiculous as well, just for the sheer size of it. Like the PlayStation yeah, that, Two that... and Three was just like a hollow shell. Um, what would be like the Wii came out with its nunchucks and such, and its its game pads were all a bit. Everything Wii... was a bit crazy. And then I think Wii aside, that's it was a completely separate. But you look at the N64 like mm-hmm. controller you brought up in our first recordings, like. That's a that's a design. Like you like can someone make thought arguments. that was a good idea. I can see the logic though, because well, bear in mind that controller was getting designed for probably the first 3D games console. Yeah. So the weird part of that controller, it wasn't the D pad and the L button on the left hand left hand um, spike that no one ever used. It was actually the analog stick, and mm. the Z trigger on the back. Because Nintendo, yeah, they're making things like Mario and Zelda to showcase how gaming can work in 3D. But most games at this point were just made in 2D. So the D-pad was improving Nintendo's mind. Like, this is going to be the main focus. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't it didn't pan out that way. 
Yeah, it is crazy. All the variations we've got that kind of this generation is, I guess, what kind of honed in on what a, a controller ergonomically should yeah. look and feel like. And there was more attention and focus put into it. And now they've kind of been refined to such a point where I think the Xbox controller is great. The Stadia controller was surprisingly fantastic. Amazing the controller. DualSense 5, best controller ever. Like, obviously, that's more yeah. internal stuff. But now they're able to just iterate on what form factor everyone just seems comfortable with. Like, the well, controls think, are all great, like, now. I think the Xbox 360 controller as well is, this is probably the de facto origin of how you'd expect a standard modern controller to be. Mm. So you're not adding things like haptic feedback or, like, the touch bar and stuff from the PlayStation or, like, motion controls or anything. But yeah, yeah. this is the default layout. So you've got two bumpers, two triggers. Bear in mind the old PlayStation controllers at the time, they had L1 and L2, but they were just buttons. Yeah. They were just basically two bumpers. You've got two analog sticks. Again, mm-hmm. not not the first controller to have two, but it it did this is you look at that 360 controller, then you look at the Xbox series controller. Mm-hmm. It's 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 the same, basically. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's got a few more buttons because you've got things like share buttons and stuff, but it's a essentially the same yeah also wireless well that's what's good with this re-release is that they've adapted it so it's now got a menu and view buttons it's got the share button it's got the audio jack and it's powered by USB-C. so even though it looks like the old 360 one it does have those modern sensibilities to it so it doesn't feel out of place if you're playing it on your series x or s yeah, it, it's it's designed adapted. to be it's designed to play on the series on the um the series s and series x that's what this controller is for but it's just it's a nice little nostalgia thing. Absolutely. But moving on to another piece of nostalgia, Age of Empires is getting a ro- has got a roadmap for consoles and for PC in a recent update. Whoop. Can't wait. So, so not, we're getting not too se- long. So season four of Age of Empires four it should be out in February, and we'll know, we know that Age of Empires two definitive edition is set to come to Game Pass for consoles on um, January the thirty first. Yep. And Age of Empires 4 will be coming to Game Pass on consoles sometime after February. Sometime. Yeah, nice little uh, option to delay it there. Yeah, it's just on the infographic, it just says later 2023, so it'll be mm-hmm. next year. I'd expect, to be honest, after April, probably into the new financial year. Cause yeah. It's going to be, a, they can push this for Game Pass as well. Mm. I guess not putting a date on it allows them to see how Age of Empires 2 performs and what the feedback is for Age of Empires 2 on console and cloud. And then they can go like, okay, this was received well, this went well, we saw great sales numbers because of XYZ. Let's replicate that with the newest version of the game to celebrate the 25 years. So again, it's smart. They don't need to put on a date on it yet. I think Age of Empires 2 remastered, whatever that looks like on console and cloud, will keep fans of the franchise tied over until this one but a roadmap's always good to see and I, I personally can't wait to get back into some age of empires um whether that's in the cloud or chilling well, on the couch for a change rather than being at my desktop the nice thing about it coming to the console is at the moment it's only really con- xbox game game pass console edition games are, co- are coming to the cloud mm-hmm. but like with with game pass if you've got game pass ultimate you can just be sat there at home playing age of empires 2 on your pc and go all right, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to continue playing on my phone. Theoretically. Theoretically. It is theoretically. If it hasn't been tested. Input, we hopefully. don't know for certain. But yeah, well, di- I mean, football managers got direct touch, mm-hmm. which is like a godsend, really. It's so you're not playing an emulated c- controller. So we know the um, Game Pass in the cloud can do it. But moving on, um, Grounded has won a Game of the Year. Um Award at the Golden Joystick Awards 2022. An Xbox Game of the Year. An Xbox Game of the Year Award, yeah. So we actually had to do a bit of research earlier about what the Golden Joystick Awards is because it's one of them things we've always heard about. But we didn't know who started it, Chris. Would you like to tell people like what's a bit about the Golden Joystick Awards? I still don't think we really know. Like yeah. we looked into this earlier during, during our first recording, and it seems to be presented by Games Radar, the news website. But even when you look on like their wiki page and stuff, there's nothing to really tell you who it says it's by from the fans by the fans. 
and then they do yeah. the typical categories. But when you go over to Games Radar's website, there's not there's no real indication of how they accrue the listings and such. But yeah, it took place last Tuesday. It's the fortieth anniversary, so this awards these golden joystick awards yeah. have been on for some time. And I've heard many times across the years stories of oh, it's won a golden joystick award. But I don't know, it just says, yeah, brought to you from the makers of Games Radar, Edge, Future Game Showcase, PC Gamer, Retro Gamer. So it seems like it's a collection of publications, whether through like online media or traditional magazines, they get together every year and, and celebrate. I think from what research I've, I've managed to do that it might be entirely fan voters, but I, I it's, again, it's really difficult to actually find key information about who the judges are what how games are selected and all that sort of things but yeah we wanted to check that because we were talking about the actual award and then yeah. it was kind of like well what what's what the significance gold... of this award yeah. like i know what the game awards are because i follow jeff Keeley. i listen to podcasts uh gaming podcasts that always talk about the game awards i'm familiar with ign's game of the air rundown like they do their top playstation games and xbox and such and I'm just kind of aware of it, but then you go to you, you Google search Golden Joystick Awards, and it takes takes you straight to Games Radar's page. Um, their Twitter account just says celebrate, but I don't really, I don't remember being prompted to vote anywhere. If it's done by the public, like nothing I follow on social media was like, oh, don't forget to vote at the Golden Joystick Awards. Whereas I've I put my votes in for the Game Awards. It's UK so I don't know whether. So I don't know whether it just needs it needs better marketing. Like I'm even aware of like the BAFTA Game Awards since they introduced a category for video games a, a few years back. So there's there's plenty of winners within here, all worthy, yeah. no doubt. But yeah. um yeah, I don't I don't remember anything even popping up to say that these were these broadcast or is it just put out as a blog? And I guess what I'm getting to is the legitimacy of these golden joystick awards that I just feel like they need to either do something more to market because I'm definitely the audience for this kind of thing and I other than the name, I didn't really know much about when, where, or who I mean, is hosting yeah. them. Is there, is there a showcase that we can watch or something? Because it would have been interesting to watch. But any, anyway, I just yeah, wanted over to... over on YouTube, like, there was a two-hour video. Yeah, well, there you go. Didn't even, um, even realise. I just think it's nice, because um, Grounded by is by Obsidian is kind of a bit experimental as games go. It's, doesn't, it's not like, yeah standard obsidian title it's kind of it's kind of unique in its own way mm-hmm. it's very charming so it's nice it's nice that when bit things that are a bit more experimental do get the recognition and or for the playstation side stray gorrit yeah certainly. The, the equivalent award so again another game i really enjoyed so it's nice to see that get get recognized yeah oh. i found out as well the joystick awards that were broadcast four days ago um, two-hour-long presentation with a sta- with a stage presence, and then skewed in with like online webinars and videos that were obviously pre-recorded. Um, at the time of recording on the twenty seventh, so four days after, only forty-two thousand people watched it in the world. So, yeah, that's read good. into that what you will. But either way, no, it doesn't take away from. Obviously, the the actual awards themselves. Congratulations to all the the victors. And yeah, like you said, it's great to see Grounded getting some recognition. I've got a lot of love for Stray as well, so shout out to Stray on that front. And um, yeah, I guess I don't know what they need to do, but it's nice to see some award season stuff picking up. Although I still don't agree with Game of the Year being given before the year's out. I still think all these game awards should happen in the January, and they should review the last calendar year because yeah. games miss out. If you remember, Cyberpunk missed out, although probably wouldn't have deserved to win at the time and i think did star wars jedi fallen order miss out in its year as well i think that came out november 19th in 2019 if i'm not mistaken and i think that missed out by like a week for loads of nomination options and then because of recency bias it it loses out the next the following year because it's been out for 13 months so yeah i would probably say if i was jeff keeler i'd probably put it maybe end of january start of february so games yeah. released in December have a good chance to like stake the claim for the game, mm-hmm. the best game in that calendar year. But it's kind of arbitrary anyway. As long as he goes, right, these are the dates between, you have to have released between these dates. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's clear, it's not the end of the world. But what isn't clear is the reason why two Walking Dead games have been pulled from PC Game Pass. 
yeah, we spoke about these a few weeks ago. Um, only arrived the 1st of November, so they've not even been available to play a whole year. Um, I checked out the Final Frontier, and I haven't gone, I haven't gone back to it since I first only put, I've only put like an hour or so into it. And well, apparently I can't go back to it now. I haven't checked myself, but yeah, according to listings all over the place, Michonne... Uh, her little side story episode and then New Frontier which is the final season of the, the Telltale Walking Dead arc um, on PC Game Pass it was made available and when people booted up the game apparently episode one of the season was free and the following episodes were uh, chargeable which obviously isn't right they should have all been free as as listed in the Game Pass announcement and then they've all been pulled now so if you have the game you can't boot it up if you don't have the game you can't claim it and you can't install it for free through Game Pass so Something's gone on. There's people asking questions on the Skybound, who now own Telltale, who kind of took over from the old Telltale, and Microsoft, and no one seems to have given a reason yet. Um, we suspected that it just means that there was probably an error with the upload of the game version, and it was supposed to be like the yeah. complete edition, but for some reason the OG version with just the episode one and then the rest of purchasable went up, and they've been pulled to probably just do some fiddling around behind the scenes and re-upload is the correct versions. And we'll probably see it corrected, I'd imagine, by... Probably by the time this episode goes live today or Monday. Yeah, ho- hopefully. Um, new work I'm, week, new updates, get pushed through, I'm, patches and such, and then, hey, presto, there to claim I'm, and play. I mean, this was reported on the 25th of November, so it's like a, we reported on the Friday. So hopefully by the end of this week, they'll be, they'll be back. Yeah. It, for me, the main story is like, this is stuff that you could just be, if you have pulled it because of the things aren't working, it's meant to be the full thing, which was what was advertised Mm-hmm. And there's some weird bug is forcing people to the store for like episodes two, three, etc. That um, just just own up to it. Just say look, mm. things that things this it's not working as we expected it to. So we've pulled the games. We will bring them back once we've fixed it. We'll stay tuned to our socials for news when that happens. Yeah. Tweet. I think yeah. Just I think honestly, sometimes when you just communicate things to people people are usually pretty okay with like oh yeah it kind of sucks but i i get it yeah especially if this is the only way to fix it like if you need to pull the whole game and re re-upload or reboot it whatever you need to do then yeah if that's the only way to fix it then yeah fine so it, I'd, I'd imagine it'll be back because it was one of the tentpole games for this month like well-known title well-known franchise and especially with the finale debuting on disney plus of the tv show that's been going for a decade it's that perfect culmination of cross-pollination media, what you want. People go watch it on Disney+, Plus. go, oh, that was great. Oh, what's this? On my Xbox, I currently have New Frontiers, free to play. I have Michonne. For, I, I recognize Michonne from the show. Let's check this out. And then they get in, it goes, you have to pay for episode two. You've got to pay for episode three. And it's like, I'm sure it was supposed to be free. Something's yeah. not right. And then now it's just straight up gone. So, yeah, they'll want to get it fixed, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's not a big thing, but um, talking about New Frontiers, Disney Dreamlike Valley's Toy Story Realm gets added in December. So I'll yep. put this one in specifically for you, because we know, know you're a fan of Disney Dreamlike Valley. I am, yeah. Disney Dreamlike Valley, for those who've not checked it out, if you're a big Disney fan, if you enjoyed Animal Crossing back in the day, it's essentially a combination of the two things. It's Disney characters, you create your own avatar, you go into the world of uh, Dreamlike Valley, which is a child's kind of imagination from when they were younger, and you meet loads of characters, you collect stuff, resources, wood, stone, find gems, sell them to, funnily enough, Goofy owns the shop. Don't know why he's a decent businessman. But you basically improve the, the, the town, which has fallen to disrepute and it's poisoned by some evil magic, typical Disney shit. And then, uh, yeah, this Toy Story expansion looks great. It seems like you get shrunk down, so it's going to add a different kind of vibe to what we've experienced so far. And yeah, if you after a game that's just like therapeutic, doesn't it really is a podcast game like if you don't need to take much of your attention to play this title it's go around hack at shit dig stuff up plant and water things grow fruit and veg and then trade it in for other resources to make more stuff and like animal crossing you build your own house and you can have your own like disney style bed or window frames and it is very much that type of game but uh me and the wife really enjoy it and uh we're big fans of toy story and i mentioned on our first recording of this show disney's got such a wealth of ip this game's been received so well already and it's still in beta until um, next February or March, I believe, until a full open launch. It's getting loads of good feedback. There's some tweaks that they need to do to it in terms of resource management and grind because I'm getting a bit... 
fed up of the grind a little bit. But my wife, who's not as hardcore a gamer as me, in fact, she's not even a gamer, it's enough for her and she doesn't mind jumping into it. So it's very much, I'd say, a more casual style game. But that could be yeah. to its betterment. And every time they rock up with a season pass or a new release of he's Toy Story, he's more Moana content. What? You like Frozen? It's Christmas? He's some more Frozen content. Oh, by the way, you're a Star Wars or Marvel fan? Yeah, we own that too. <laughs> then he's Alien from and Predator in there because we own Fox as well. And then there's a Simpsons spin-off. And they just own so much stuff. They can just slap it on this game. And what do you mean I get to dress up as Homer Simpson and walk around Disney World? I'll do that. I'll grind for that. And... Yeah, it's, it's just got... It's kind of what all these brands are trying to do, where get all of their IP into one world, and I think this is doing it in such a subtle, uh, animal-crossing, relaxing kind of way. It's, the game doesn't ask for much. It ain't challenging. It's enough to get the masses in, and I think it, it's doing a good job so far, so keep your eyes yeah. on for this one in the new year. Yeah, as I was talking earlier, I expect this because this game seems quite well revered like i've heard people i know who are not gamers talk about this Mm -hmm. um people who just Just like like, animal crossing yeah yeah it's it's kind of got that appeal i mean this is still in beta so they haven't really pushed it too hard in the marketing yet Mm -hmm. and as they're still bringing in content i expect this might blow up in 2023 Mm -hmm. i think it'll be one of those games as a service that just keeps getting bigger and bigger I think and, this will be like the bit one of the big games of next summer. Yeah, and I've, I said on our other recording, but we got the game for free on Game Pass, played it on the TV, and then we wanted a bit of portability to like chip away and play it in bed. So we purchased it for the twenty five pound kind of like founders pack where you get a bunch of credits and crystals and stuff. Paid twenty five pound for it on the Nintendo Switch, so we could play it portably. I guarantee you, at some point in the future, this game is going to get a mobile counterpart. Which means oh, you can yeah. chip away at the grind and gather, collect your resources, or finish objectives on the move on your phone, and that's going to then feed back into when you get home, you do the rest of it, and when you go out and about, you do the rest of it. So you're always involved in the cycle in that ecosystem, and that's that's how they get you. And then you get bored of waiting for resources, so you buy resources for one ninety nine, <laughs> and then that's 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 money being printed right there. Absolutely, Disney dollars, yeah. boys and girls, Disney dollars. Yeah, I think especially, I think this will do really well on the Switch because a lot of people bought Switches during the pandemic for things like Animal um, mm-hmm. Animal Crossing. Yeah. And that's probably died off a bit, I imagine. But then there's like a lot of these, I can imagine there's a lot of crossover between people who bought Animal Crossing and people who are Disney fans. Yeah. It, it, it is a big family game there's as well. So at the end of the day... A, if... There's a large crossover in that Venn, particular Venn diagram there. Yeah. If you're playing Mario and Zelda and Pokemon and stuff, and then all of a sudden you can make your own character and go and see Buzzy, Buzz and Woody in Toy Story World, then yeah, it's like fa- old old fans, new and old, are gonna love that. Like I'm, I love it. My missus loves it. Any future, uh, anyone who's got kids out there, they'll love it. So it's like it's just kind of a perfect mix match of old and new IP. Like the first character you meet, freaking Merlin from the Sword and the Stone, which came out in like nineteen forty-seven or something. That's a bit of a deep cut. It is, it is, and he looks like him. He makes some little noises and he gives you the mission and tells you what's wrong. And then you go on. I think if, I think last week we met Scar from the Lion King because he was in some content. And then you've got Ursula in the sea rocking up. So that there's a good cross pollination of like various age demographics. But that's that's Disney, right? That's what they do. They've been around for so long. Has Mickey turned up? He's yeah, the final I've met boss. Mickey. Yeah, Goofy's a shop. Scrooge McDuck is your financier who helps you <laughs> uh, upgrade nice. and renovate things. And it, it is just that. He's your accountant. Like, <laughs> essentially, yeah, you go see him. So when you want to upgrade like a building, you go him and he says like, oh, let's see how much that is, what resources you need. And yes, yeah, Scrooge McDuck essentially finances the repairs in, in Dreamlight Valley. He's the money man. So why wouldn't you? So yeah, it's very good. Very good. But that's all we have time for this week. If you've liked the video, make sure you hit that like button and consider subscribing to the channel, hitting that notification bell so you know when all of our great content drops here at Helix Cloud Games. If you want to join the conversation even further, um, head over to our Discord. There's a link in the description below. Thank you very much for watching. My name's been Richie. I've been Chris for the second time. We'll see you in the clouds. And I will point out before we leave again... This has been recorded by me and you for a second yes. time. So if you if it, your computer shits the bed again, 
If you're watching this right now, if you can hear my voice right now, that's because I had a backup version as well. Yeah, I specifically asked him to, re <laughs> to record this. I would have done just it anyway. Just in case. Because, I'm not getting back yeah. here at like nine o'clock on a Sunday for the third time yeah. to record this show. We'll see you in the clouds.